This is an interview with Trey Gertner, guitarist for Coffin Rot, on Sunday, April 11th, 2021, by Nick Burkell. Now, can you tell me about getting your very first guitar? Actually, when I first started to play, I, was, uh, I started on bass. And so uh, the first uh, guitar I ended up getting was like a Yamaha bass kit that, you know, had like all the starter pack uh, essentials with it, like the little practice amp, a DVD, tab book. Yeah, just like real cheap little setup. Once I got that, I was practicing religiously with that, like watching the, you know, instructional videos, figuring out how to write tabs. But uh, the whole reason I got into guitar because my buddy, one of my best friends in high school at the time, you know, he just got a little, uh, I think it was like an Ibanez Geo with a little rolling practice amp. And so I just, I just really dug that sound he was getting that I wasn't getting on my bass at all. Because he was he was showing me all these uh, cool little techniques that you could do on guitar that you couldn't do on bass, like you know the heavy palm mutes and everything. And he was just getting into metal at the time, so I thought to myself, like, well, shit, my mine doesn't sound that cool. So you know, eventually uh, later in the year, I convinced my parents to give me a BC Rich Virgin. And I just fell in love with that thing and just practiced as hard as I could for pretty much all of high school. Was pretty antisocial, so all I did. Basically, all of high school was just like bunker down in my bedroom, just learning all I can. Now, did you have any private tutors, or were you enrolled in any music classes growing up? So back in high school, I actually took a month of lessons. Basically, um, all I took from that was just learning how to play, like you know, the basic E minor, A major, D major chords, and how to do a power chord. Like, my focus wasn't really, I wasn't really focused on those lessons 100% just because I wasn't, like, really learning anything I wanted to at the time. Eventually, I just started just learning everything I know from, like, YouTube, listening to bands, and just checking out tabs on ultimateguitar.com, and eventually just picked it up from there. For you, what would you say are your three most influential albums that helped you grow as a musician? Oh, man, it's so, so hard to to figure that out just because I had so many phases with uh, my music listening growing up. Um, the three that have definitely stood a test of time, I want to say, are uh, probably Master of Puppets from Metallica, Slayer's Rain and Blood, and uh, Morbid Angel's Covenant, pretty closely tied with Death's Leprosy, though. It's, it's just so hard for me to pick those. Just a top three. Thinking back on your years as a musician, what technique are you most thankful you learned? Probably palm muting to be <laughs> very, uh, it's just, uh, I just always was a big fan of like that duh, 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 chuggy chuggy sound, but uh, more serious note, I think uh, best technique I probably learned was maybe just learning how to write songs that aren't in the key of the lowest string that I'm playing at the time. Because, you know, especially with metal bands, a lot of bands t tend to write songs or main riffs that are just based off that open low E. But, you know, after learning like scales and all that in high school, I find like you can write some pretty interesting riffs if you, you know, move around the neck. Like, for example, just play like your root note on the third fret. You'll get some really cool sounds and tones from that. Yo, man, did you know that the uh, self-titled Rigor Mortis album, I believe that was uh, recorded without any palm muting? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Scotchia, um, 
I believe he he never palm muted on his lead, so it's just like, um, it, it definitely gave them an interesting sound. Yeah, and like looking back at some of those older records too, back during the earlier heavy metal bands, you can tell the palm mutes weren't as defined back then. A lot of bands would kind of you know just they'd rest their palm on the like the very end of the bridge, but I don't think it was until like maybe the mid mid late eighties, early nineties is when bands started getting that really like, you know, percussive sound from their palm mutes. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Now Trey, what was it like forming Coffin Rot? Coffin Rot basically started from uh you know, just the remnants of chemical warfare. I ended up joining those guys after their original guitar player Alex Stanley left. We played together for about a year. I ended up writing one song for them, played a few shows, but I think it just kind of came down to the point, you know, where, I mean, those guys went through so many lineup changes before I joined. I was like maybe the one out of like three guitarists at that point. So eventually it just, I don't know, for me personally, it just kind of felt like being in a cover band. It was cool, but I think all of us just wanted to start fresh and, you know, all of us were a lot more into, you know, just bare bones, knuckle dragging death metal at the time versus, you know, the, the kind of like death thrash influence stuff we were playing in Chemical Warfare. So it was basically just a fresh start. Now, how often do you guys rehearse? And can you tell me a bit about the 2019 rehearsal demo that preceded a monument to the dead? Um, basically, before COVID, we tried rehearsing at least once a week. I mean, during the Monument to the Dead sessions, uh, we were practicing at least like once or twice a week, just, uh, you know, getting those songs like fully rehearsed and everything, trying to make it sound as tight as possible. Basically, the whole uh, reason the, we came out with that 2019 demo was a scent of rotted life, you know, just so they can get a, a scope of our sound and everything. And we were actually... a one of the first bands that they signed on for that. So thankfully, uh, Jason loved that demo inside the uh, hook us up. So that's pretty much where that comes from. Now, what kind of things did your band and Charlie Corin discuss on how you envisioned the album, a monument to the dead to come out? At the time, you know, we, we kind of wanted the album to stick out a little bit more. I mean, the, a lot of our contemporaries play like super kick-ass death metal, but like at the time there was a lot of, you know, the knuckle dragging caveman riff kind of like just death doom inspired stuff. So we really wanted to try to push the tempo on this album. I want to say our uh, main influence influences for this record were uh, Campbell Corpse Torture, Mortis Scolds, uh, Dine Remains, and Malevolent Creation. We really just wanted to have like a really fast death metal album kind of that resembles the first wave of Florida death metal. What was it like composing the song Miasma of Barbarity? That one, besides our title track, we I want to say we probably spent the most time on. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain how that song came about because that was just like one of the ones where you know, I almost didn't really have to think about it. Like some of the riffs just came naturally. Of course, uh, the the way that I had originally wrote it at home is way different than how it sounds. You know, when I brought it to the band and we uh, changed some stuff up a bit, but 
you know, I think it sounds a lot better after we, uh, we all pitched in our ideas, but no, basically for that song, personally, I just wanted that to kind of be like the, maybe like the one song that everyone kind of just falls back on, on the album, just super punchy, super fast has a, you know, some stuff that you can mosh to and all that. What was the original version of it like? Basically, the original version, uh, the riffs were pretty much all the same, except, uh, you know, the middle of the song where the tempo slows down and kind of goes... I originally wrote that as kind of an intro riff to build up to that, uh, you know, that main tremolo theme that plays throughout most of the first third of the song. I can't remember if we even planned a solo for that section. I think once we uh, once we uh, ended up coming up with the finalized structure of the song, and towards the end of the song, I think Hayden brought it up to me. He's like, dude, you got to do a solo here. So that's kind of where that came from. But otherwise, uh, the original was just super basic, super kind of like a really slow intro to, uh, you know, just a fast part that repeated and repeated. You guys got to go out to Chicago back in 2019. Tell me the backstory on that, as well as how the show was. I want to say the Chicago show was probably the best show that I personally played with the band. I mean, it was kind of mind-boggling. <laughs> Coming from Portland, there was like just so many kick-ass contemporaries that we played with, so I always felt like we were just kind of the new kids on the block. Like, I mean, bands like Witch Vomit and Torture Rack had already been established, so, you know we ended up being like the fucking hundreds of death metal band to come out of that scene. I feel like the response in Portland has been kind of lukewarm, which is understandable, but, and plus the fact that we just haven't played that many shows in our hometown. No, like uh, Chicago, that the whole show was just like super packed. It was, we had such a huge warm welcome there. You know, people were moshing to our songs. So I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, it was kick-ass. Mulder definitely stole the show that night. But altogether, we ended up playing three shows. We played first night at Chicago at Reggie's. Super cool venue. And we played at, uh, shit, I forgot the name of the bar, but it was at a brewery in Indianapolis. We played with Obscene. Those guys, you know, they, those guys tore it up. They released a really kick-ass album the following year. Uh, super, super fast shit. Detroit, I want to say, was probably the highlight for me because we ended up playing in this abandoned building, and I think the promoters ended up having to steal power from a house just down the street to be able to power up that venue. Um, yeah, it was a it was an interesting night. My main highlight for that show was <laughs> definitely. Uh, yeah, the my my main highlight for that show was not really the most pleasant experience. All I can say is uh, don't eat oceanic fish hundreds of miles from any ocean, Midwest, in a city that doesn't have any public bathrooms around. Good to know. Now <laughs> we'll we'll leave it at that. Now, what was the show like when you had Jordan Farrow of Oxen Destroyer sing on Hung? And drawn and quartered the cover. That was uh, that was probably my favorite show that we played in Portland, just because like I'm such a big fan of Oxygen Destroyer. They're one of the few death metal bands around the Pacific Northwest that just plays like just super fast, brutal, 
death metal in the vein of Vader and Morbid Angel. And just having a second guitarist live too, just I felt just made it sound so much better. And Jordan, he's such a cool dude. He's such a genuine dude. I'd love to do something like that again. What is your most cherished musical possession? I would say my guitars. I, you know, I want to say maybe just because I'm not like that huge music collector. Like I've really only started collecting CDs within like the last five years. But um, I don't know, man. I just want to say just having the physical copy of uh, that uh, vinyl of a monument today, just having like our own music on physical copy, just. I don't know, it just feels good. <laughs> Favorite ghost story or urban legend in Portland? Not really knowledgeable in that subject in Portland, but there's one on the coast that you know was really interesting. Uh, I actually got to visit this place about a couple weeks back. I think it's uh, yeah, Fort Stevens. Supposedly, that place uh, has been known to have sightings of a you know like a spectral soldier that keeps uh, walking the grounds and has known to like give people nods uh, from time to time. But it, from what it sounds like, it's just a benevolent spirit of a soldier that, you know, some people have seen in the last few decades, like you'll see him walking down the street, give him a nod, but then once they turn around, they don't see anything. So I thought that was kind of cool to visit that place. Definitely got some eerie vibes from seeing that abandoned military fort. Final words. I mean, my advice to any bands right now, I mean, I know, like, there's some unprecedented times going on right now, but I guess just, you know, don't stop playing, don't stop practicing, just keep at it, even if you're, even if you're struggling to get together and everything because of COVID and all that, just, I mean, we're going through the same shit with a bunch of unprecedented medical shit with, you know, band members' families and all that, including mine, just don't home keep yourself tight that way when you get back together you guys you know can bunker down really you know nail all your practices thanks this has been an interview on sunday april 11th 2021 with coffin rock guitarist trey gertner by nick Perkel. hi this is trey from coffin rock and you're listening to japan nick's quarantine podcast <laughs>